All right. Really quick, if I can, come here. This is my sister. Her name is Kaylee. She's very good. And I love that she's here. Hello. Now get at it. She's, uh, my rest of my family is actually here too. My dad is actually fi- filming or taking a picture. I don't know what he's doing over there. Uh, my mom and then my other sister, Krista, and my wife is, of course, here. Um, I think my daughter left a used tissue up here somewhere. <laughs> nope, looks like somebody got it. Um, so my sister, she's actually in a, a group uh, called One Girl Nation. They're, uh, they're for little girls. They're really good. You should check them out. Um, what? They're not just for little girls. They're for everybody. Everybody would love them. Everybody go buy their album. My parents would really appreciate it because they're currently supporting her, so it would be really <laughs> be helpful for them. They'd really appreciate that. Um, so we're talking about rhythm. And one of the things, there is, there's a lot of things that I'm going to talk about with rhythm. One of the things I wanted to reveal to you is a little industry secret for musicians. You see, when we're up here playing, we actually have this magical thing called a click track that is actually playing in, you know, these guys all have headphones. This thing is playing all the time while we're playing. That's enough. I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> it's playing all the time while we're playing, and it's actually very helpful because we need it, you know, to sort of stay on track, to stay on rhythm, because as you heard earlier, it's super awkward when musicians are out of rhythm. I actually remember this one time. It was, it was horrible. Um, I was a youth pastor in Houston for a while, and I was, we had this worship band, and we're sort of in a rebuilding year, and so we didn't have a good drummer. And I remember I was very, for some reason, very confident in this kid who's never actually drummed in the youth band before. And he got up there, and in rehearsal, he was okay. He, he, he stayed on rhythm. But then there's like 120 kids there, and this kid starts to play. And I remember... About six seconds in, like, I'm in the back just watching. I literally just kind of, like, crumbled to my knees. It was so, like, just off. And it threw the whole band out of it. Like, people were singing off key. The musicians were playing the wrong chords because just this, this the drummer just playing completely off beat just wrecked the whole thing. It was horrible. It still makes me, like, it still elevates my heart rate just thinking about it. So it was so frustrating. Um... But it's so clear when it happens. When people are out of rhythm, when especially musicians are not in rhythm, it's very, very, very obvious. Um, And I would venture to say that in life, it's not, it's it's almost not as obvious. Sometimes it's harder to tell because there are things that we can do to make it look like we're in rhythm to make it look like we are where we need to be, that we're doing okay, um, that things are fine. There's lots of things that we can do to pretend like we're in rhythm, but in reality, we're so far off, we, we, we can't even remember where the beat is. Um, that scripture that we read is one of my favorite passages. Um, I admit it, it ends a little harshly, uh, that last, I think, I think Cindy felt a little weird leaving the stage after reading that last verse. Uh, that verse 15, 
where it says, For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Woohoo! That's not one of those things. And she's the children's pastor. She probably doesn't teach that passage as often as she would like to, to children. (laughs) Maybe you should. Maybe they need to hear more often that God will wipe them off the face of the earth if they don't share their goldfish crackers. (laughs) I think that my kids need to hear that more often. Um, But, you know, it's in the Bible. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. In rhythm... In music and life, there's really three things that we kind of need. We need a leader. We need something or someone that we look to that shows us and helps us find where that rhythm is. You know, for us on stage, it's David. David sets that click track. He tells us what we're going to be doing. If we're not listening to David, if we don't follow what David has asked us to do, we're going to fall out of rhythm. If we don't listen to that click track, we're not going to be in time, and it's going to be horrible. We need some sort of source, some sort of leader to guide us. You know, a lot of times in music, people will use metronomes. They just set that little metronome and they follow it and they stay in that rhythm. We need that, that source, that thing that holds the rhythm, that shows us where we're supposed to be going, that sets it, that moves us towards it. We need connection. We need, if we're in a band, we absolutely need to hear what the other people in the band are doing. We need to support what the other people in the band are doing. We need to be connected to the leader somehow. That's why we all have those fancy headsets in, because it helps us to hear what he's doing, and we can elevate that volume as we need to. We can do whatever we need. As long as we stay connected to both the leader and whoever else we're playing with, we're going to be okay. We have to stay connected. And there's one other thing that we need, and it's a direction, a purpose, a reason. On this stage... We come together and we play music to help you find, your presen- find the presence of God and worship him. That's, that's why we're up here. We come and we play music on stage to worship God for ourselves and to help you worship God. That's the point of it. That's our direction. That's our purpose. We need a leader. We need a connection. And we need a direction. We need to follow, connect, and keep moving in that direction. You know, musicians are, young musicians especially, are taught very vigorously these things. They're taught the basics. They're taught the fundamentals. They're taught the knowledge that they require. I remember when I was a kid and I had this piano teacher. Her name was something. What was it? Very Italian, Mom? Mrs. Gillespie. She was this Italian lady and she had a, a, a ruler or a pencil in her hands at all times. And she was very quick with that particular weapon. And <laughs> while you're playing, and my sister knows this too, because she hated my sister for some reason. I don't know why. My sister would come home with bruised knuckles very often. And we would, you play, and if you get off key, you hit the wrong note, or you're just out of line, smack right on, the, right on the knuckles all the time. She did it all the time. And it was actually, you know... Granted, it was abusive. Uh, However, (laughs) it was actually quite helpful. It was quite helpful. Um, It was something that I needed. And that's what a lot of young musicians do. They are pushed and they are pressed and vigorously challenged to learn these things. Um, And it's actually very important. If you want to be a musician, you need to have those fundamentals. You need to have that knowledge. You need to have that muscle memory. You need to have that connection to the rhythm. Otherwise, you're not going to go very far. And in this scripture, 
that we've got, I think there's three basic um, things that we need to, to, we need to check out that sort of connect this to this, this passage. So let me read really quickly um, verses 5 through 9 to you guys. You shall love the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Really quick, a couple things. Frontlets means your eyelids. So he's basically saying, the law that I have given you, because this is Deuteronomy 6. Does anyone know what happens in Deuteronomy 5? Quick Bible trivia. Jonathan? Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're not even paying attention. What happens in Deuteronomy 5? Anybody? The Ten Commandments, right? So right after the Ten Commandments, he's saying these things, and he's telling them, you need to write these things everywhere that you look, even to the point you need to somehow figure out how to put them in your eyelids so when you close your eyes, you can see what I'm telling you to do. He is telling Israel to make the law their magnificent obsession, this thing that they cannot get enough of, this thing that they need to line themselves up with constantly, not just one thing like it's a test and they memorize it and then they move on. This is something that he is telling them, you need to have this down. You need to be locked into this as tightly as you can be locked into anything. Love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, with everything. These words I command you shall be on your heart. Teach them to your children. Talk of them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking, when you lay down, when you wake up. Put them everywhere. Put them on your doorpost. Make signs and put them in your house. This is what he's telling them. To me, it seems rather important. To me, it seems that if God is telling you to write something in the inside of your eyelids, that it's relatively crucial. This thing that he's telling them, this is something that the Jews recite three times a day. It's called the Shema. Orthodox Jews recite these verses, Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9, three times a day. They took it pretty seriously. They heard what he said, and they decided, okay, we're going to look at this and say this to ourselves three times a day, every day. They made this a priority. They looked to this to be their rhythm, their guide. This was their metronome. This was their click track. This was their leader. This God who gave them the law, the stuff that he'd said to them to do, these things that he needed them to live by, this became their metronome for life. And then as we look to verses 10 and 11, God reminds them of their purpose, of their direction, where he's taking them. That if they stay in line with this rhythm, this is where I'll take you. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, houses full of, (coughs) pardon me, Houses full of all good things that you did not fill. Cisterns that you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, and we'll get to what he says there in a second. If you can stay in line with these things that I've given you. 
If you can follow this path and this rhythm, you will enter into a land filled with abundance that you didn't have to work to get to. Cisterns were these giant holes dug into the ground that helped them to collect and hold water. It's a pain in the butt to build. He said, here, I'll give you a land full of them. You don't have to build them. I'll give you a land filled with vineyards that you didn't have to plant, olive trees, everything that you could possibly require. I'm just going to give it all to you. Just stay in line with me. Follow this rhythm, and you'll see the kind of abundance that I'll take you to. And then as we look to verses 12 through 15, he gives us warning to what might happen if we don't stay connected. So verse 12 starts really in verse 11 where he says, if you eat and are full, so at, we have this abundance, we have this amazing plenty that God has provided us that we didn't have to get to. And if you, he's warning us, if you get to the point where you are content and you are comfortable with that, He's warning us, take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. Do not allow the comforts and the satisfaction that might come with the abundance and plenty that God might give to those who are in rhythm to distract you from the leader. Too often when I play music, the times that I get off rhythm are honestly those times where I've practiced so much and it becomes so comfortable that I stop worrying. Any good musician will tell you there's sort of this natural nervousness and and fear that builds up that you're terrified you're going to hit the wrong note or you're going to play the wrong song at the wrong time or that you're just going to fall out of rhythm, especially if you're a drummer, that you're just going to lose the click or you're going to lose the band and just get out of sync. And that's good because that fear keeps you in line. That's one of the reasons why God uses that word fear. You shall fear the Lord. You shall fear the Lord your God. And I love these passages. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. Do not go after other gods. The gods of the peoples who are around you. And this is a very key verse. For the Lord your God in your midst. These other gods were not in the midst of their people. These other gods were far away things. They had to build for them temples so that they might possibly appear. They had to cut themselves and sacrifice their own children and burn themselves that their gods might actually appear. God is saying to them, I'm in your midst. I'm here all the time. In that last song, Holy Spirit, we don't say, bring your spirit to us. It just says, let us become more aware of your presence. God's presence is here. He is in our midst. It is not something that we have to beg for, to plead for, to cut ourselves for, to do as the pagans did in these days, to beg and plead with their gods to come and help them. He is here in our midst. Let us become more aware of that presence. Turn up the click track. It's there. It's there. God is in our midst. 
When we keep within God's rhythm, we have tons of examples in Scripture what can happen. Oceans will part. Things that make no sense will happen. Pillars of fire will just be there. Food will fall from the sky and just be there for you to eat. Enormous cities with unbreakable walls will literally crumble without being touched. When we are in God's rhythm, things that should not happen can happen. Things that make no sense can happen. Even in the New Testament, we see in Acts, even by stepping in the shadow of Peter, people were healed. Just by being in his shadow, simply touching the garment of Christ heals. When we are in the rhythm of God, crazy, crazy things happen. When we're out of the rhythm of God, crazy things happen too. When we're out of the rhythm of God, there's, this, there's plenty of examples of this as well. When we are out of the rhythm, for example, Moses comes down from the mountain with these wonderful words and he finds what? His people worshiping other gods already. These people had literally just walked through an ocean. They had seen the hand of God literally break open the waters so that they might walk through, destroy their enemy, and provide for them the plunder of those people. And yet, because they were tired or bored or couldn't seem to trust as they were supposed to, they begin to build gods and worship them. And Moses comes down and finds this. And right there was almost the end of the Hebrew people. Right there, God says, okay, cool, I'm done. That's enough. Remember that part where I said, wipe them off the face of the earth? It's about to happen. And Moses says, no, please don't. And God's like, fine, I like you, I'll do what you say. By the way, changing God's mind doesn't happen very often, but it's pretty sweet when it does. And then it just, uh, you know, a few decades later, Joshua, when he's not in rhythm, sends his army without seeking God's counsel, without asking God what he should do. He's just come off a few good victories. He's comfortable. He feels right. He sends his army to take out a relatively easy city, and God's like, whoa, 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 I didn't tell you to do that, and those people just die. They lose. They just marched around a city, and it fell down. They had just beaten armies with 100 people that were filled with thousands of other enemies, and Joshua's like, well, we, we're good. We can do this. He sends them in, and they die. He wasn't within God's rhythm. He had lost, lost the click track. When we're out of God's rhythm, really nothing works. When finally they took this land that was theirs and they acquired all of these things that they had never built, these vineyards and these cisterns and these olive orchards, they found all this wonderful land flowing with milk and honey and they have this system of government set up and they keep screwing it up and then God fixes it. They screw it up and God fixes it and God is their king and they get to a point where they're just, I don't know, tired of it and they say, hey God, we want a man to be a king. And God's like, no, you don't. No, you do not. And they insist. And then he says, okay, Samuel, I want you to tell them what's going to happen if they have a king. Samuel's like, fine. Samuel says, all right, guys, you want a king? Here's what's going to happen. He's going to tax you to death. He's going to take all of your stuff. He's going to enslave you. He's going to make you build palaces for him. It's not going to be that great. And they're like, okay, let us have one. So God says, sure, 
here's the king. And he gives them this beautiful, tall warrior man named Saul who basically ruins everything, goes insane, and almost destroys the kingdom of Israel. When we are out of rhythm of God, horrible things can happen. I mean, let's see what else. 80% of this Bible is that, that, those stories. I mean, we even go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve. They stepped out of rhythm. God gave them some very specific parameters. He said, follow this rhythm. It's not that complicated. And we couldn't do it. And it's not because Eve was an idiot or because Adam didn't lead her. It's just because we're people. And God actually, you may not understand this, built into us this flawed character so that we might need him. He didn't build into us this perfect system of metronome following the rhythm. He actually built into us an inability to do it by ourselves. Because he wants us. He wants us to need him. He wants us to magnificently obsess over him. We need to follow that leader. We need to connect with him and each other. And we have a great, great purpose. And the we that I'm referring to now is the church. We have a purpose. And that purpose is not about you. That purpose is not about this building. That purpose is not about even just our community. That purpose is about eternity. God tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. He tells us, go and make disciples of all the nations. He says, love the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, with, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and treat others as you would treat yourself. He gives us very specific direction, a very specific purpose. In order to fulfill that purpose, we have to be in rhythm with God, both individually and as a church. Individually, we have to practice the rituals of the rhythm. If I want to be a drummer, I can't just occasionally, once a week, jump into that drum cage and just assume it's going to work out. I have to spend time practicing that. I have to work at it. I have to learn things. I have to study it. If you want to be a strong committed, usable tool for the kingdom of God, you have to practice at those things. You cannot just step in once a week and assume it's going to work well. We have to be dedicated, committed, magnificently obsessed with this and with him and with each other. If we're in this room, Believer, non-believer, if you're in this room, you are brought here not by your own will. You are brought here because God needed you here. And when you leave this place, 
Wherever you go, you're not going there simply because you like roses or you want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. You're going there because God needs you to go there. And this is the same with every single place that you go, every conversation that you have, every interaction that you are having. They are there and given to you because God wanted you to have them. What are we doing with those times? What are we doing with those opportunities? If we are in line with God's rhythm, I guarantee you we're using them well. If we are practiced and magnificently obsessed with him and his word, I guarantee you that you're recognizing those opportunities and you are using them for his glory. If we're not, you're probably not. If this is a book that gets dusty and is occasionally maybe brought to church and occasionally opened for specific purposes, okay. That's, that's one way to live. However, if you're interested in something greater, if you're interested in being used by the God of the universe to change the world, if you're interested in being made into something far greater than you ever thought possible, if you're interested in being brought into a land filled with cisterns that you didn't dig, vineyards that you didn't plant, and orchards that you did not cultivate, if that is the life that you are interested in, there's a certain rhythm that you need to lock into. Because we know what happens when we don't. And we know what happens when we do. And I think if you just want to look at it objectively, it's very simple to say, I want to be in rhythm with God. It's very simple to look at these stories, to hear what God says and say, yes, I want to do that. Unfortunately, it's not as easy to actually do that. And I can tell you right now, if you are trying on your own to make these things happen, they're not going to happen. If you are using your own power, your own strength, your own discipline, it's not going to happen. You cannot. God can. You cannot. God can. When you leave this place, I want you to think and ponder this idea of whether or not you want to be really in rhythm with God. Because if you do, you got to stop trying to be in rhythm with God. And all you have to do is connect with him. And he will bestow upon you. He will line you up. He will take you to places and have you do things. Bring conversations into your life. Bring people into your life. Take you places. It'll be crazy. You'll do things that you never thought possible. And if you don't want that, 
If you don't want that, don't read this book. Don't bother. Just let it sit dusty on your shelf. If you don't want that, just come to church on Sundays and sing along with the songs and then go home and live your life. But I think you want it. I think you do. Let me pray. God, it's weird to say thank you for making me weak, but thank you. It's weird to say thank you for making me foolish, for making me incapable of what you've called me to be, but thank you. Because I don't want... I don't want to enter into a land of abundance. And I don't mean, God, you know I don't mean physical abundance. I mean spiritual abundance. I don't want to walk into that land and think I got myself here. I don't want to be the kind of guy that says I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I want you to do that. I want that glory to be given to you. That I might be simply someone that bounces glory off of myself and hands it back to you. That any success that I might find be given back to you. That any crown placed on my head is thrown directly back to your feet. Because I am worthless without you. God, I pray for this church this morning. That you would write your law on our eyelids. That you would... Inscribe on our hearts your purpose for us, your direction for us. That you would build in us a magnificent obsession with your rhythm. That we might never fall out of sync with you. God, I ask you this because I know it is your work and your work alone that can do it. That no amount of effort on our part, no amount of anything on our part will suffice. It is only the work that your Holy Spirit does in our heart that can accomplish these things. God, put us in your word. God, put us deep into your truth found in these pages. Let no dust collect on the covers of these books, but that they would be everything to us. That you would be everything to us. And that the world would be overcome by the love and grace that pours out of these doors every Sunday. That the workplaces that we go to, the friends that we have, the family, everyone that touches anyone in this room would be overwhelmed by the love and grace that explodes out of us. God, we love you. We need you. And we want to be in rhythm with you. 
forever. It's in your name we pray. Amen.